0: Well, good morning, as we gather on this Tuesday in the eleventh week of ordinary time, we continue in our letter of Paul, this dear personal letter that he's written to the church in Corinth. And today he's expressing some of that, he's revealing, if you will, some of that personal love and 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 compassion he has for this people. He's telling them, we're in the eighth chapter of this letter, as it's now articulated, and he's telling them about what the people of the north, Corinth is in this southern part of Greece, and uh, he's speaking to them of the people of Macedonia, so up to the north, the northeast, quite frankly, be about 150 miles away. He's describing how generous they were in providing for the needs of the young church elsewhere, potentially even offering up resources, materiality to support the young church back in Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was in need at the time. And he describes that. He says, I want, to, I want brothers to you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and in their extreme poverty, it has overflowed in a wealth of generosity. and they were. They were relatively poor, the people up in the north. Corinth is a fairly affluent community. It has rich and poor, clearly so, both extremes. But in general, given that it's a trading port, it's relatively well off. The people in general, on a median level, are relatively well off than their agrarian neighbors far to the north. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. He's celebrating that, and he's asking the people in Corinth now, writing to them, to do the same. But his message is not necessarily in materiality, although that's important in the provision of those in need. But he's speaking to them as well about this grace, this, this willingness to offer grace, to offer compassion, to offer generosity to those around us. He t- says this to them, I say this to you not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. It makes us think of his letter to the young church in Philippi as well, that Roman retirement community. This church in Philippi, as we know from our own studies, was established as a retirement center. It's like the Boca Raton of the Mediterranean at the time, where a lot of retirees would go, and many of them were legionnaires, Roman soldiers, and they settled in Philippi, and they understood command and structure and and, uh, positioning and hierarchy, and he uses, Uh, this language to describe the same thought about humility and submitting oneself in the service of others. And he tells them, the young church in Philippi, but uses different language, same thing. Have in mind this among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, us, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Two different communities. He's using two different contexts, two different language, two different forms of arguments, if you will, language to present the idea that it's in humility that we rise and retire each day. It's in humility realizing that in our our own imperfections, we have been called forward into faith, and in that journey of faith, we seek to do good to those around us, especially then today in Matthew's Gospel, we're reading from the uh, fifth chapter. It's the conclusion of the fifth chapter. We remember from a week ago, Monday, a week ago from yesterday, We had the littles in here, and we were learning about the Beatitudes. So the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel begins with the Beatitudes, these nine blessed statements, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. Nine times we hear an example teaching of who is blessed. Well, blessed are they who? And meek and humble of heart is one of those teachings, one of the Beatitudes. In the conclusion of that fifth chapter, we're then given six specific teachings on how to live, how to live out our faith. He gives us those teachings around anger, around lust, around divorce, around oaths, around retaliation. And then today we have the sixth, the final teaching in the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel. And this has to do with retaliation and love of enemies. And he tells us those words we heard the deacon read. You have heard that it was said, and each of the six teachings begin with that phraseology. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you, Who else did that? Who else practiced that approach? Thomas Aquinas. When you read the Summa Theologica, he'll name a statement and then he'll say, but I say, so he's mirroring our Lord. Just think about that when you're reading Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologica. He's mirroring this way of argument that our Lord demonstrates here. You have heard that it was said, but I say. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same, speaking to this mostly uh, Jewish community. You you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, most of us are not perfect, that's a long stretch. But what he's inviting us into and encouraging us in this teaching is love our enemies. He tells us that beautifully in the seventh chapter, it's the 12th verse, very famous to us, the golden rule. Do whatever, so whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is all the law and the prophets. Do to others that you would have done unto yourself. We know that phraseology. And he's telling us that today. What do we do with that? In our daily life, we're going to encounter (coughs) fans and detractors. Fans and detractors. And most days we're hoping there are a few more fans than detractors. The people that are detractors can be quite genuine and helpful. We call that constructive criticism. There can be detractors who are working through their own inner turmoil, their own inner challenge. When a parent is forming a child, and they are correcting the child, that's very healthy and good. In fact, it's, it's irresponsible not to do that. When a, child, when a parent is forming a child, they're correcting the child to show them how to form and to be normed to society. That is a very good and loving exercise. It's necessary, and if a parent is absent in doing that, that's actually not very healthy for the child. The child grows up unformed. When a spouse is in a loving way, providing insight or observation to their spouse, that's also loving and good. You know, you have to consider how you do that. Wording matters, approach matters. But it's loving for a spouse who desires the best for their other, for their spouse, to provide insight or observation. Hey, sweetheart, I noticed that. Or, honey, it occurs to me. There's ways you can phrase it that are very inviting and accessible. So those are children and spouses. Employers sometimes have that responsibility to provide adjustment or correction to a a person, a team member, so that they excel, so that they perform at the level at which they are expected to perform. That also can be very loving, and the absence of that is very harmful. Those who've served in the military know that. There are expectations for the performance of a role, and if you don't perform it, others are immediately impacted by your lack of performance, sometimes in a very serious way. So the, the, the loving leader provides feedback and, inst- and construct. Friendships invite that. If we have close friends, sometimes a friend can in- provide us an insight. In fact, the closest of friends will often do that. They'll say, listen, um, I'm noting something or I'm observing something. It's the absence of a friend who doesn't provide the feedback that could be helpful, constructive criticism or helpful. You know, it's, as we say, uh, you've had this event, you you wear some article of clothing that looks ridiculous on you, and none of your friends say anything. What kind of friends are those? That's an example of, in a silly way, of providing feedback. In a serious way, it has to do with our walk in faith, doesn't it? When we observe a behavior in ourselves or in others that is unhealthy, and that we claim that person's a friend and we don't provide feedback, that's probably not very loving. We need to do that in a generous way. Where we get in trouble most is where we provide feedback to someone where we are not invited. That's where we have to be careful. Because it's contrary to this potential teaching today. Potentially, not is, but potentially is contrary. We have to be careful in the feedback we provide when it's either uninvited or not required. We have to be really careful with that because that can be viewed very negatively as a criticism that's unwarranted especially if we in our own daily walk have glaring questions in our own life, right? If we have glaring issues in our own life and yet we're providing critical feedback to a person who is not a child of ours, a spouse of ours, an employee of ours, or a close friend. For outside of that relational context, we have to be pretty careful in the feedback we provide. It may be uninvited or it may look really awkward if our own life is not of obvious perfection. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Well, most of us are gonna fall short of that. Most of us do. Mary was perfect without sin. That's the end of the list. Mary was perfect without sin. That's it. And using the contemporary language of the employee space, the position of judge has been filled, Jesus Christ. If, if, If you have a concern with that, see God the father that, that position has been closed. It no longer needs to be filled by any of us as judge. So as we go forward in our day, let's think about this beautiful teaching. Love others as we would love ourselves; Do unto others as we would do, have done unto ourselves. Be perfect in the best way we can, in our imperfection. Seek to be perfect every day. And be mindful that those who provide criticism to us need to be received with grace but understand their context. They may be projecting onto onto you, if you're receiving negative criticism from someone who is not a child, or a parent rather, a spouse, a friend, or an employer, if that relationship doesn't exist, be observant that they may be providing a criticism onto you that's coming from their own inner turmoil, their own inner darkness that they're trying to work through. It could be a projection of their own struggle. Love them. Love them, receive them with compassion. Know that that criticism they're offering may actually have some truth to it, but receive it in grace. Don't retaliate against it, because it's probably a turmoil they're working through in their life where they assume they're in the role of providing correction. They've assumed it's their job to fix the world. Probably isn't. And be especially graceful with them when their own walk in life is not as perfect as they may assume it to be we love them we receive them with grace it could be true their own life has some inner workings and some hurts that they're trying to navigate that's why they're projecting onto you correction it's because their own life feels very very much in turmoil or has some sadness in it receive them with grace love them back be as perfect as we can meet them with compassion and continue to advance the cause of faith as best we can by embracing those around us, even when we disagree. God bless you this day.